Hey everyone, welcome to the Business Alabama podcast from Business Alabama Magazine. I'm Alec Harvey, Executive Editor of Business Alabama Magazine. And my guest today is Will Mason, founder and owner of Mason Music. For 10 years, Mason Music has been providing music lessons for people throughout the Birmingham area. On this episode, Will talks about his entrepreneurial spirit, how he built his business from the ground up, and the plans he has for the future. Please join us as we talk to Will Mason on the Business Alabama podcast. So, Will, welcome to the Business Alabama podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Alec. It's great to have you. Can we start off with your life story in in 30 seconds, 45 seconds, where you're from, uh, where you went to school, how you ended up where you are right now? Sure, I'll try. Uh, So I I was born in Georgia and I moved to Alabama at the age of 10 for my dad's job. He was a school superintendent. And so I grew up playing music and academics were very important. And somehow I dropped out of college to play in a band and ended up pursuing a career in music kind of accidentally in a lot of ways. Um, And then found myself teaching and beginning a business, none of which was planned or premeditated in any way. <laughs> but this started really early for you, right? Your your love of music. It did. Uh, six years old. That's when I got my first keyboard. My grandmother bought me for Christmas and I started piano lessons right after. And was there a moment where you thought, aha, I can make a living doing something like this? It really, I guess it would have been in the band because I, I was in college studying health or physical therapy and really had never, even by that point in my life, I've been playing music for 13, 14 years. And by that point in my life, I'd never once considered that an option for a career path, just based on the community I grew up in. You know, you look around and other people are not doing that. So I guess it was when I took a break from college, I put that in quotes, took a break that I finally kind of realized, okay, this is something I'm passionate about. And that counts for, for a lot. I love the story about how Mason Music came to be. Uh, Can you tell me and the listeners about that? Mason Music really was quite the entrepreneurial accident. It was born out of necessity. And uh, my wife at the time uh, and I both were musicians. And after I'd been in the band for five years and I quit playing in the band and didn't have a backup plan. And so really was just looking for ways to leverage the knowledge that I had as a musician. And so I would play at churches, I would play at weddings and bars, and we started teaching music lessons. And we kind of were putting our eggs in lots of different baskets. And over the course of a few years, we stepped back and looked and assessed and realized, okay, the lessons are the most dependable and consistent source of income. And they are the thing that we really enjoy the most and have the most potential for future growth and scalability. And so uh, that was probably late 2011. And then 2012 is when we actually opened a storefront because prior to that, we had just been driving to people's houses and teaching lessons in their living rooms. Uh, And did this take off right away or did it take a little while? Well, it had grown organically uh, when we were driving for quite a number of years. And then when we opened our first storefront, it really did grow pretty quickly. We ended up opening a second location the next year, which was, again, this will be the common theme. That was not in the plan. You know, there was not this like master plan to have 
all these locations. We just were hoping that one would work. But when we opened our second location in Mountain Brook Village, that was probably the fastest period of growth that our company had experienced because we had really been laying the groundwork for a location in that community since we started teaching in people's homes because that's where I grew up and that's where most of our clients were at the time. And you're you're not just teaching piano. I mean, you're teaching a little bit of everything, right? Or a lot of everything. But are you teaching more than one instrument? Yeah, we teach. Yeah, we teach uh, guitar, piano, voice, drums, and violin. And I've said in the past, just an easy way, is like anything that was in the band Led Zeppelin plus violin uh, is kind of what we teach. <laughs> so most, if not all, of those instruments you've just rattled off have changed considerably in the digital age. Has it changed how you teach these instruments too? In some ways, yes. And in other ways, no. Uh, I mean, technology is just a tool. And so anytime there's an advancement or an innovation or a change, it takes a little while for, you know, uh, humanity at large to kind of catch up and figure out how are we going to incorporate this into our regular rhythms of life. And so, you know, one simple example would be keyboards have certain functions that make it um, more fun to learn in a lesson setting. Like you can, whereas on a piano, if I'm playing as a teacher and I scoot down to the left side of the bench and start playing on the low keys, obviously those are going to sound low. And my students on the right side, they're playing the high keys and those sound high. Well, especially for young learners, some of that, it, it causes a little bit of confusion. Why does it sound different when you're down there and you can't play at the same time? Well, there's keyboards now where you can split it and you can have it sound like it's in the same register with the student and the teacher playing at the same time. And the keyboard's probably the easiest example because it has become digital, whereas guitar, whether it's electric or acoustic, that hasn't really changed very much recently. And drums, uh, I mean, there are some, some changes in technology there, but we still teach on an acoustic drum set. I'm a little bit of a, I, a purist is too strong of a word for that, but... Uh, I have a personal bias against electronic drums. And so we've kept those out of our studios so far. And I hope, I hope that day will never come. Uh, has it changed uh, the influx of people wanting to learn? I mean, I, I, I would assume that there is a certain element out there that says, oh, I can just press a button on my iPad now and I've learned how to play the drums or I've learned how to play the violin. Yes, that is definitely something we keep an eye on. It's just kind of social trends as it relates to uh, how we interact with music, you know, because you're right. There are apps out there, there are programs out there that with very minimal knowledge, you can create passable music. You know, it sounds like a real song with real instruments. I think that that, again, it's just technology. It's a tool. It allows certain people to become creative and expressive who haven't necessarily learned an instrument, which can be a great thing because they can create something that we all enjoy. But I also think that it, it kind of presents a little bit of a challenge to true musicianship, because if you're getting all these shortcuts, uh, there's no reason to put in hours to actually learn what's going on. And so at best, you're getting kind of an intuitive education. And so, you know, it's a, a little bit of a barrier, I guess, as an educator, you have to help your students understand what it really takes to play an instrument. And it's not going to be as simple as downloading an app, you know, more so than any of that, I will say we definitely live in an age of instant gratification. And something yeah. like learning an instrument, just there are very few shortcuts. Anybody that tells you they have a tried and true way for you to guaranteed you learn how to play guitar in a week, they are not telling you the truth. <laughs> so, 
Well, at this point, you have taught certainly hundreds of people, but probably thousands of people. It must be gratifying to go to a club or something and actually hear your students playing up there. Oh, man, it is. That's one of the most rewarding things because, you know, that was really the spark that inspired me to continue growing the business was realizing how rewarding it is to teach and to actually see your students light up when they make that connection. Uh, Because it's one thing to just, you know, be able to play an instrument and enjoy it for yourself. But the joy of passing that along to another person and kind of like passing the candle on um, and you see them kind of light up, uh, that is something that you know, no one can ever take that away from you. It is so rewarding. And so, yes, now being able to see some of my earlier students that, you know, have graduated from high school and they've gone on and they continue to play music is just the coolest thing. And I follow them all on Instagram. And so I see when their bands are playing. And <laughs> in fact, we have a music festival coming up very soon. And some of our former students and staff members are part of the lineup for the festival. So it's going to be really full circle. So how are you celebrating your 10th year? Yeah, 10 years is quite an achievement and an accomplishment, and I I know uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the team of people that have really, you know, come alongside this vision that I've had for this company and really brought it into reality. And so I don't have the statistics on the top of my head how many businesses open and fail within one year, five years, 10 years. Um, but I, I know enough and I've seen enough to realize that we're very, very fortunate. And so I'm um, just focusing on gratitude for that. And one of the ways that we want to celebrate that and just acknowledge the milestone is, of course, putting together a big concert. And so we have uh, been planning all year. It's called Mason Music Fest. And we have brought in some uh, big names for the headlining acts. And then we've kind of uh, filled in the earlier time slots with bands that um, my staff is excited about or former students that have a connection. Um, and so it's a, it's going to be a really great event. And we also have some students performing earlier in the day, too, uh, just to really celebrate what this community has embraced uh, with Mason Music over the last 10 years and um, to put together a good lineup of shows. And the festival is this weekend, correct? Correct. It is Saturday, August the 13th at Avondale Brewing Company. Can you tell me a little bit more about the festival and what people can expect if they go out there this weekend? Oh man, we're going to have a blast. So it is an all-day family-friendly event. We have tons of vendors. So we've got food trucks and snacks and sweet things, uh, as well as some purchasable kind of locally handmade items as well. Um, and we're going to have some fun stuff for kids too. So sidewalk chalk and bubbles and, um, giant Jenga and giant connect four and just some things that we've found over the years are, you know, hits with the kids. So we're going to have that stuff out, but do not be dismayed if you were, you know, below this height, five foot tall, um, you can still ride the rides. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of bands playing. Um, starting at 1 o'clock, we actually have some of our student bands playing, which is going to be really cool um, to get them up on the big stage. And we also have like a hip-hop interactive exhibition that's going to be really fun where a local MC and DJ are going to kind of go through the uh, four main elements of hip-hop, which is going to be really awesome. And then they're actually performing later in the day. And we have a great lineup starting at three o'clock with some local bands. We have Hannah Camille, uh, we have Shahid and DJ Supreme, and then we have a band called Lady Legs, who was signed to a record label here in Birmingham. 
And fun story about Lady Legs, their drummer was one of my first guitar students. So I can't claim that I taught him anything about the drums, but I would like to think that I got him interested in music. And now he's in a successful band. And then, you know, later on in the night, that's when we get to the heavy hitters. We've got a band out of Nashville called Gatlin. Um, she is fantastic. You got to check her out. And then the two headliners are uh, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors and the Brook and the Bluff, both of whom I'm uh, huge fans of. And the Brook and the Bluff, of course, uh, were all former employees of Mason Music. So there's a strong connection there, which just makes everything a little bit sweeter for Mason Music Fest. Will, can you tell me a little bit about your business's foundation and how it works? So we formally uh, created the 501c3 for Mason Music Foundation in 2016, I believe. Um, not the best with dates, so I could be off by a year, but it's been it's been a few years now. Yes, this was something that we really knew even from early on that you know the communities that we serve primarily are over the mountain communities. We're in Mountain Brook, we're in Cobb Heights and Vestavia, Hoover and Bluff Park and Greystone, and you know, the, um, the benefit to us as a business is we're working with families who have discretionary income who want to, they want the best for their kids. They want their kids to have every opportunity to succeed in life. And so they're going to sign them up for extracurriculars. They're going to do sports. They're going to get a tutor. They're going to play music. They're going to learn and they have all these opportunities. And so we're there to meet that need. And we, um, have benefited greatly from being a part of those communities. Um, but, you know, if we look just in uh, the other side of the mountain in downtown Birmingham and, and some of these other communities that are just a few miles away, there are countless families who want the same thing. They want the best for their kids. They want their kids to have opportunities, but they don't have the same means. And so, you know, I can't fix all of that. I don't understand, you know, macroeconomics or whatever in the political system, but I know music. I know how to teach music. I know what a difference it made in my life personally and the opportunity that it's given me. And so we decided that we would do what we could uh, to just play a part in the greater work that's going on uh, to bring opportunities to some of these families that are living in uh, different parts of the city. So we raise money to provide scholarships for students to have lessons with our teachers. And we have a location in Woodlawn on First Avenue North that is where we house all of our nonprofit um, students uh, there and they get scholarships based on their family's um, income and how much they qualify for in financial assistance. Can we talk a little more about your involvement with the Woodlawn Theater Building? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Woodlawn Theater is another one of these things that was a dream uh, that we had for many, many years. We had dreamed about having our own music venue in our own space because we work with a lot of the different venues around town uh, hosting events for our student bands. We have a program called Rock Band League. And so we've played at places like Zydeco and Workplay and Saturn and Iron City and the Finnick and probably more than I'm not thinking of. And uh, we love these venues. We love being a part of their space. And we just got the bug. We said we want to have our own space um, for recitals and other performances. And so that was just kind of in the back of our mind. And a few years ago, we were looking for a location, a more permanent location for our nonprofit. And because we'd been renting for years and uh, just with the nature of real estate in Avondale, where we were previously, you know, somebody would tear the building down to build some apartment complex or whatever. And so we just always had to be finding a new spot. 
So we said, all right, we want to be in Woodlawn. This is where our students are coming from. This is where we're invested. We want to put roots down. So when we started looking, uh, we were looking for space just for Mason Music Woodlawn to have a studio space with maybe 1,500 square feet. And lo and behold, we come across a building that is for sale that's 6,000 square feet. And the gentleman who owned it said he would like to sell it to us. And we said, well, we're not in the market for purchasing a building and we don't need that much space. But what could we do if we let, let's dream a little bit? And so we started uh, sketching up drawings and realized we could do the music venue on one side and we could have our music lesson program on the other side of the space. And how cool would that be to have both in one under one roof, students who are learning how to play music and a stage next door where real touring bands are playing regularly and the students get to play there for their recitals and, and other events. And so that is when the idea of the Woodlawn Theater was born. And the name comes from that building, which was built in 1920, was actually the home of the Woodlawn Movie Theater, the family cinema from like 1927 or 29 to 50 something. Um, and so we just brought that name back, Woodlawn Theater. And we wanted to pay respect to the community and have their name on there. So it's something that residents can be proud of and um, be a part of. And Will, where are y'all in that process and what, what's the timing of that? Well, we're not far along as I would like to be, but we are under construction, uh, which is great. Uh, we, prior to COVID, we had drawings and a contractor and all the financing lined up and we were ready to roll. And we had like one last hoop to jump through with permitting. And then we started hearing about this virus in, in China and we said, okay, well, let's watch this. And so Thankfully, we're very lucky and fortunate that um, we hadn't begun construction, so we were able to just hit pause. But then post-COVID, just getting everything restarted has been quite a challenge. Uh, obviously, prices have changed. Um, personnel has changed. So relationships we had and permitting, you know, all that stuff kind of had to, it was almost like starting over the development. But we're under construction and we're hoping to be open in the next two to three months. So we're, we're close. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm checking in every week and the stage is built, which is really exciting. All the framing is done. Uh, we've got electrical and plumbing and HVAC and process. And it's it's getting really exciting to see it kind of materialize before my eyes. I feel another big music festival coming on in the next three or four months. <laughs> we will definitely be having a grand opening show. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be so fun. So, well, I like to uh, wrap up these conversations with something I call business casual. And these are mainly pop culture questions. Some people relate them to their business. Some people don't. Um, just to get an idea of what you listen to and watch. So I'm going to have to start off with what kind of what music are you listening to these days? Oh, that's good. Business casual. I think I should maybe unbutton my top button here and just get comfortable. <laughs> so music, I actually was asking my executive team this today. We meet every Monday and just as a part of reminding ourselves our mission and what our purpose is here, I like to kind of ask, what are you listening to music wise? And so I'm kind of keeping up with, uh, with what everybody else is listening to. And it's funny. I, um, I think everybody experiences this to an extent. You kind of like uh, your taste in music almost um, is cryogenically frozen at a certain age. You know, it's like, what did I listen to in high school and college? And that's pretty much what people just continue to listen to the rest of their lives. Um, and so I still have my favorites, my standards that I go back to 
my favorite all-time bands or the ones that I was learning how to play when I was you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. So that's Led Zeppelin, favorite band, Jimi Hendrix, one of my favorite guitar players, and the Allman Brothers. Those three bands are top tier for me. Uh, also, of course, love the Beatles and tons of other bands from that era. But, you know, that music is what really got me inspired to um, be passionate about playing music. And it's something that anybody can connect to as soon as they hear those guitar riffs of like ACDC, Back in Black comes on, you know right away what song that is and every guitar player wants to learn it. So it's an easy way to get students hooked on music. Um, more recently, uh, some bands that I've been listening to, I actually just went on a huge road trip out to the Grand Canyon with my family and um we drove up to red rocks in colorado and we saw a band called tedeschi trucks band and they're one that's actually susan tedeschi married Derek trucks who is the best slide guitar player on the planet and he's the nephew of butch trucks who was in the allman brothers so i count it as new music but it still like fits in the same category as what i've always listened to um but they were fantastic live and then the opening band that we saw was another band that I've listened to for probably 10 years or longer, which is Gabe Dixon band. And he is a phenomenal, he's like the Billy Joel, Elton John of our, of our age. He's a great songwriter, amazing piano player and great singer. So those are some of the new ones that I've been listening to. Do you listen to podcasts? Oh yes. Uh, I've definitely started many a statement with, uh, Hey, I heard this on a podcast the other day. Um, and I'm guilty of that statement a lot. Uh, so I listened to, uh, a few different business leadership podcasts. Um, kind of top of my list right now are the Andy Stanley leadership podcast. And there's one that I believe is called the table group. It's a Patrick Lencioni, um, podcast. That's very, very good. Uh, I'm a big fan of his books as well. And it's cool to hear his team kind of engaging around some of the content that he's put out and just hearing how they think about it. And then for entertainment purposes, I've been listening to smart lists lately, which is always fun. It's a, it's a good listen and uh, listening to Jason Bateman, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes make fun of each other is um, uh, it gives me a smile on my face and ammunition to rib my friends with. So love that podcast too. What about books? Will, are you a reader? I am. Yeah. My mother is, or was a librarian her whole career. And uh, my dad was an English teacher who moved up to a school superintendent. So reading was heavily uh, encouraged in my household. And I actually did not enjoy it in school at all. And now I only read um, nonfiction. I rarely read fiction books. Um, but currently I am in the middle of a book called Habits of a Happy Brain, which is a neuropsychology book, neurochemistry book, but it's written for the layman. Um, so it's very, very interesting talking about just how our brains regulate dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and um, some of the different chemicals that kind of go into just our wiring in the different parts of our brain. Very interesting book. Uh, and I'm also starting a book um, called, I think it's The World Before and After Alexander, and it's about Alexander the Great and really how he came to power and his dad, Philip II. And so um, those are the two that are on my desk at the moment. And we're about to, as a team, go back through the five dysfunctions of a team, which is a Pat Lencioni book, um, which is a seminal book on team dynamics and um, interrelational 
conflict and how to get the most out of your team. So excited to kind of give that one another read. Well, Will, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the podcast today. This has been great. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. My thanks to Will Mason, founder and owner of Mason Music, and to you, the listener, for joining me today on the Business Alabama podcast. Until next time, this is Alec Harvey. Find more from Business Alabama in our monthly magazine and online at businessalabama.com.